Take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to Genesis chapter 30. And we'll be again reading in verse 25. Genesis chapter 30, verse 25. Titled the message this morning as we continue our series in the book of Genesis is God Leads Jacob to Go Home. God Leads Jacob to Go Home. Now it's a lengthy passage. It goes through chapter 30 and all the way through chapter 31. And chapter 31 has 55 verses. And so I'm not going to read them all this morning. I'll not read all the verses, but we'll deal with them all. But I want to read part of the verses. We'll begin in verse uh, 25 of Genesis 30. Follow in your Bibles as I read. And it came to pass, when Rachel had born Joseph, that Jacob said unto Laban, Send me away, that I may go into mine own place, into my own country. And give me my wives and my children, for whom I have served thee, and let me go. For thou knowest my service, which I have done thee. And Laban said unto him, I pray thee, if I have found favor in thine eyes, tarry. For I have learned by experience that the Lord hath blessed me for thy sake. And he said, Appoint me thy wages, and I will give it. And he said unto him, Thou knowest how I have served thee, and how thy cattle was with me. For it was little which thou hast before I came, and now it's increased into a multitude. And the Lord hath blessed blessed thee since my coming. And now when, when shall I provide for mine own house also? And he said, What shall I give thee? And Jacob said, Thou shalt not give me anything. If thou wilt do this thing for me, I will again feed and keep thy flock. And I will pass through through all thy flock today, removing from thence all the speckled and spotted cattle and all the brown cattle from among the sheep and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and of such shall be my hire. So shall my righteousness answer for me in the time to come, when it shall come from my hire before thy face, every one that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and brown among the sheep, that shall be counted stolen with me. And Laban said, Behold, I would it might be according to thy word. And he removed that day the he-goats that were, gris- that were ring-straked and spotted and all the she-goats that were speckled and spotted and every one that had some white in it and all the brown among the sheep and gave them unto the hand of his sons." Now look at verse 43. And the man increased exceedingly and had much cattle and maidservants and menservants and camels and asses. Chapter 31. And he heard the words of Laban's son, saying, Jacob hath taken away all that was our father's, and of of that which was our father's hath he gotten all this glory. And Jacob beheld the countenance of Laban, and behold, it was not toward him as before. And the Lord said unto Jacob, Return unto the land of thy fathers and to thy kindred, and I will be with thee. And Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field unto his flock, and said unto them, I see your father's countenance that is not toward me as before, but the God of my fathers hath been with me. And ye know that with all my power I have served your father. And your father hath deceived me and changed my wages ten times. But God suffered him not to hurt me. If he said thus, The speckled shall be thy wages, then all the cattle bear speckled. And he said thus, The ring strakes shall be thy, thy hire, then, all, then, they bear, then bear all the cattle ring strake. Thus God hath taken away the cattle of your father and given them unto me. And it came to pass at the time that the cattle conceived that I lifted up mine eyes and saw in a dream. And behold, the rams which leaped upon the cattle were ring-straked, speckled, and grizzled. 
And the angel of God spake unto me in a dream, saying, Jacob. And I said, Here am I. And he said, Lift up now thine eyes, and see, all the rams which leap upon the cattle are ring-straked, speckled, and grizzled, and I have seen all that Laban doeth unto thee. I am the God of Bethel, where thou anointest the pillar, and where thou vowest a vow unto me. Now arise, get thee out from the land, from this land, and return to the land of thy kindred. And Rachel, Rachel and Leah answered and said unto him, Is there yet any portion of inheritance for us in our father's house? Are we not counted of him as strangers? For he hath sold us, and hath quite devoured our, also our money. For all the riches which God hath taken from our father, that is, that is ours and our children's. Now then, whatsoever God hath said unto thee, do. Then Jacob rose up and set his sons and his wives upon camels, and he carried away all the cattle all, and all his goods which he had gotten, the cattle of his getting which he had gotten in, in Padanaram, for to go to Isaac his father in the land of Canaan. And Laban went to shear sheep, and Rachel had stolen the images that were her, father, her father's. And Jacob stole away unawares to Laban the Syrian, and then he told him not that he fled. So he fled with all that he had, and he rose up and passed over the river and set his face toward the Mount of Gilead. And it was told Laban on the third day that Jacob was fled. And he took his brethren with him, and he pursued after him seven days' journey, and they overtook him in the Mount Gilead. And God came to Laban and Syrian in a dream by night, by the Syrian in a dream by night, and said unto him, Take heed that thou speak not to Jacob, either good or bad. Then Laban overtook Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the mount, and Laban with his brethren pitched in the mount of Gilead. And Laban said to Jacob, What hast thou done that thou hast stolen away unawares to me, and carried away my daughters as captains taken with a sword? Wherefore didst thou flee away secretly and steal away from me? And didst not tell me that I might have sent thee away with mirth and with songs and with tabret and with harp? And hast not suffered me to kiss my sons and my daughters? Thou hast now done foolishly in so doing. It is in the power of my hand to do you hurt. But the God of your father spake unto me yesternight, saying, Take thou heed that thou speak not to Jacob either good or bad. And now, though thou wouldest needs be gone, because thou sore longest that after thy father's house, yet wherefore hast thou stolen my gods? And Jacob answered and said to Laban, Because I was afraid, for I said, Peradventure thou wouldest take by force my da thy daughters from me. With whomsoever thou findest thy gods, let him not live. Before our brethren discern thou what is thine with me, and take it to thee. For Jacob knew not that Rachel had stolen them. And Laban went, went unto Jacob's tent, and unto Leah's tent, and to the two maidservants' tents, but he found them not. Then went he, went he out to Leah's tent, and entered into Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken the images, and put them in the camel's furniture, and sat upon them. And Laban searched all the tent, and found them not. And she said to her father, Let it not displease, my lord, that I cannot rise up before thee, for the custom of women is upon me. And he searched, but he found not the images. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this account, and we ask that you would teach us from it tonight, today. Help us to know what you want us to know from this, 
and apply this ancient account, Lord, to our present day circumstances in our lives. We pray that you might help me as I present the message. And I pray if there's someone here that doesn't know Jesus as their Savior, that today they would trust him. And I pray that we as Christians might learn from your word today. And we'll thank you for what you do, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The account we read this morning and the verses that we left out relate to us in an intriguing account of the grace of God in Jacob's life. You remember Jacob was a deceiver who deceived his father Isaac and received the coveted blessing. But as we saw in our last message in the Genesis series, Jacob the deceiver met a deceiver, and his name was Laban, and he became his father-in-law. And by deceiving Jacob, Laban obtained 14 years of labor from Jacob for his two daughters, Leah and Rachel. Now, after that happened, Jacob seems to have learned his lesson, and he became a faithful man, a man upon whom Laban could depend. He is not seen in those 14 years as a man of deception. We really don't see that in Jacob's life, that he was deceiving Laban. He worked hard as a shepherd for Laban. He was a good provider for his family. And he suffered well, even though Laban did many things against him. But after Joseph was born, God seemed to put a desire into Jacob's heart to leave and go back home. And so chapter 30, verse 25, verse 25 picks it up, where Jacob is going to go talk to Laban. And so goes, he goes to talk to Laban, and he asks Laban if he can leave. He reminded Laban that he had kept his part of the deal and had worked 14 years for his two daughters, uh, Leah and Rachel. He asked if Laban would send him away, and his, the tone of the passage seems that he was wanting Laban's blessing as he left. Laban asked him to stay. He wasn't ready to give up this good worker that had helped him so much. He had learned, and by his own admission, he had learned that God had blessed him for Jacob's sake. Now, that's quite a statement for a man like Laban. He said, I have been blessed because you have been with me. So he asked Jacob to stay, and he says, I'll give you whatever the price. You name the price, and I'll pay it to you. Now, I don't know why Jacob would have believed that anyway, because the way he deceived him, he said, you name the price, and I will pay it. Jacob reminded him of God's blessings upon him because of Jacob. Jacob said, Laban, when I came to you, you had little, but now you have a multitude. In other words, I have, I have you, you, God has used me to be a blessing to you, and you've, uh, you've res- the result has been you now have a multitude. The Lord has blessed you since my coming, he said to him. And now, he says, I want to take care of my own house. I've done all this work for 14 years, and I've built up your wealth, but I don't have any. And I need to start taking care of my own house. Laban said to him, well, Jacob, what should I give you? Just what should I give you? And Jacob says, all right, I'll make a deal with you. And the deal was, and we didn't include all this as we read, but he said, you don't give me anything. You don't give me anything. But what you do is you remove from your flock 
or I will remove from your flock all the speckled cat cattle, that's the, show, the, the goats and the sheep. He said, I'll remove all the streaked ones, the ones with streaks in them, the ones that are speckled, the ones that are spotted, and the, the sheep are usually white, so I will remove the brown sheep. Now, we don't know from the text whether the Jacob thought, I'll keep those, but Laban stepped in and said, no, you're not going to keep them. So Laban, uh, Jacob says, and all the future goats now, and all the, all the future lambs, if the lambs are white, then you can consider I stole them because they're not mine. And if the goats are solid color, like the goats are probably black, and he says, if you have a solid color goat, and find a solid color goat with me, then you can consider it as stolen because I will only get those that are streaked, speckled, and spotted, and brown. So Laban agreed, and he removed those, those uh, cattle that Jacob had separated that, that were different. You know, they were spotted and speckled or streaked or brown. He removed all those, and he says, I'm going to take these away so that now my flock won't have any in it that have these characteristics. So he took them away three days' journeys, journey and had his sons take care of those far enough away so that Jacob could not use those to interbreed with the flock. And so Jacob began to care for Jacob's, uh, for Laban's flock. And he practiced what we would call probably selective breeding. Now, as it explains this in this account, it's hard to understand because you wonder how this could happen. <laughs> and what Jacob did was he took uh, green poplar branches and hazel branches and chestnut branches from trees, and he began to peel off some of the bark on those so that it would make stripes in those branches. So there would be the white showing and the, and the dark showing, and he laid those in the watering troughs. Now, we not have to remember that Jacob at this time was probably in his 90s. He was probably in his 90s. And uh, he was an experienced uh, shepherd. He had taken care of the flocks for Isaac, his father, and now he's taken care of the flocks for Laban for 14 years. So he knows what he's doing. He is experienced. And for some reason... He put these things in the watering trough. Now, there's been different ideas about that, but some have found that, that it is believed by, by people back then and still believe some today that some of these, uh, these tree branches, some of these uh, rods that he put in those, when they peeled off the streaks, it actually uh, sent forth ingredients that would make the cattle drinking from that that it would make them come to these uh, time in their life when they would breed. And some way this happened. Now, whether it had that effect on it, I don't know. But we know God in the background was, was working. And so that's what he said. That's what he did. And when the cattle would come to drink, he would put these rods in the watering trough. And they would drink from that watering trough. And at that watering trough, these cattle, these goats and sheep would breed. But also, he, set, he, he separated out those that were weak. And then he separated those that were strong. And when the weak came to the watering trough, he would not put those rods in, their, in the watering trough. But when the strong came to the watering trough, he would put the rods in the watering trough. And some way, God made it so those animals at that time 
would be prompted to breed, and that's what they did. And the result was, when the, when the young ones came out, they were streaked, they were spotted, they were speckled, and the sheep were brown. And so God had intervened and was making it work out so that all the new ones, or most of the new ones coming on, were the color that Jacob said, only those will be mine. And so he began to add to his flock. And Jacob's holdings increased tremendously. It says in verse, verse, 30, verse 43 of chapter 30, And the man increased exceedingly and had much cattle and maid servants and men servants and camels and asses. Now, as the cattle increased, he needed more help. So as his, and his family was large, so he had all these people and he had maid servants probably helping it in the, with the household things and the cooking and all of that. And he had men servants probably serving in the, as shepherds. He had all these people and they had a lot of camels and a lot of asses. Now, the camels and the asses would be equivalent to us having equipment. We'd have cars and we'd have tractors and, you know, we'd have all that we need for a farm like this. And so Jacob had that. He increased exceedingly. And then Jacob decided, look, it's time that I go home. And he decided he was going to leave, but he knew that he couldn't leave if he told Laban about it. And so he comes up with this plan, I'm going to leave because I know Laban won't approve of it. And he's dealt with Laban now for 20 years. And he knows that Laban won't approve of it. So he has to leave undetected. And so that's what he did. At that time, Laban and his sons had gone to shear the sheep, to shear his sheep. And so they were away. And so Jacob leaves to go to, Can- to Canaan. And um, as he leaves to go to Canaan, we notice something happened. Look at verse 3. And the Lord said unto Jacob, Return unto the land of thy fathers. Now before that, that word from the Lord came, we find in verse 1 of chapter 31 that Jacob noticed something. And that he noticed that Laban's attitude toward him had changed. He noticed that Laban's sons were envious, that their attitude had changed. He was not looked at with, looked at by, with favor by, by Laban or his sons. And he, he could sense that. He knew that was happening. And so then he got a message from God. I thought it interesting as I was studying for this message that I found that the commentary commentator of W.H. Griffith Thomas, who I sometimes use, and also Arthur Pink came up with this conclusion, and Pink was actually quoting uh, Thomas when he did this, but he said, we see here three principles when you're determining of what to do, and maybe God wants you to move, God wants you to make some great decision, uh, three principles to follow. And I thought this was good, and I want to share that with you. First of all, God will put a desire in your heart to make that move. God will put a desire in your heart to make that move. That happened in chapter 30. You remember the Bible says that Jacob had this desire to go back home. And he wants to leave. And he's going to talk to Laban about it. And then Laban talks him out of it. But also, then the second thing will be circumstances will be such that that it, it enforces that desire to move. 
and that was true in chapter 31, and that is the circumstances were that he noticed things had changed, and Laban wasn't supportive, and his sons weren't supportive, and, and he was in bad light with them, and he knew that things weren't good, and so circumstances changed. And then the third thing was he got a direct word from God. And I think that's probably three good principles when you decide what you're going to do. You know, you've got a big change in your life, something, decision you need to make. And uh, God puts the desire in your heart to do that. And then the circumstances come that seem to enforce that desire, and you think, well, look, it's looking like God wants me to do that, and then you get a word from the Lord. Now, I don't expect you to get a word from God as a new revelation or anything like that, uh, except that what you will get is something from the Word of God. You'll be reading the Word of God, and God will impress upon you a scripture that seems to apply to your whole circumstance, and God will use that scripture to speak to your heart. Now, sometimes God might use a dream. Sometimes God might do that, but that dream has to be examined by the Word of God. And you can't say, well, God told me in a dream. If that, it's what you think God told you in a dream, contradicts what God would have you to do in his word, then you don't do it. But it's direction from God. So you have some direction from the Lord himself. I think that's very helpful. So then, then after Jacob went through this, then he decided that he was going to tell his wife about it, his wives about it. Now, Jacob had four of them. <laughs> but he talked to Rachel and Leah. And uh, that's always a good idea, you know, when you've got a big decision to make, just talk to your wife about it. And uh, a lot of people have gotten in trouble because they went on and made a decision that was a really major decision. I'm not talking about every decision, but a major decision, and their wife wasn't on board, and it would cause trouble. And so he got his wives involved, and it begins in verse 4. And Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to, to the field and to his flock. He wanted it to be a private conversation, nobody around. Jacob's out there in the field with his flock, and he invites his wives to come. And uh, he says to them, he says, your father's attitude has changed toward me. And he said, God has been with me. God has been with me through all of this. Even though your father has been against me, God has been with me. And then he says in verse 6, I have served your father faithfully. And he says it like this, with all my power, I've done the best I can do. I have, I have served him faithful. And then your the father has deceived me. Now, he didn't bring it up because he's talking to both of them, you know. <laughs> the first deception was I was supposed to get Rachel and didn't get you, and I get her and I got Leah. So he wouldn't say to Leah, Leah, <laughs> I didn't want you. No, he didn't say that. He just said, your father deceived me. They knew that. And then they said this, he has changed my wages 10 times. Now, this is 20 years he's been with Laban. And during those 20 years, he's changed his, his, his wages 10 times. And he says that, but God did not allow your, your father to hurt me. With all those things he's done against me, it hasn't hurt me. But then he began to tell some de- details. He said, talking about changing my wages... We made this agreement that all this cattle that were streaked, spotted, or, uh, or, or uh, speckled, or brown would be mine. And all the rest, the pure stock, you know, the black goats and the white sheep, they would all be Laban's. 
And uh, that wasn't a good arrangement for me outwardly because that wouldn't, wouldn't normally happen. But then when God started blessing me, then Laban came in and changed it. He said, he said to me, no, we won't do it that way. We'll just have the speckled ones. If, you have, if they're speckled, they're yours. And then he said, God intervened, and all the ones that are born were speckled. <laughs> and then he got upset, and he changed it again. He said, no. He said, I want just the ring straight. That means the streaked. Just those with streaks in them, of different colors. Those will be yours. The spotted and the, and the speckled, they won't be, the, the brown won't be, just the ring straight. And so when that happened, God intervened, and all those who were born were ring straight. They were streaked. And so he said, and then I had a dream. I had a dream. And he said, my dream said this. I saw that, and I couldn't see this outwardly. Jacob couldn't see this outwardly. Because when he saw the cattle breeding, it would be a white sheep or a ram, you know, and black goat. And, and, uh, and uh, he didn't see this, but God could see this. You see, uh, there are certain genes that determine that. And God knows what those dominant genes are. And he knows what cattle have those. And, God, and, and he let Jacob see what he had seen. And he saw that all those that bred with the, the females, they were, they were these speckled, spotted, ring-straked, and, and uh, brown. Now, outwardly they probably weren't, but inside in the genes, it was, that was the dominant, dominant gene. And so then God told, spoke to, to Jacob, and he said, Jacob, notice the dream. <laughs> Take note of the dream. I caused this to happen. I caused those, thing, those animals to breed in that way. I knew what their latent possibilities were. I knew that, and I caused that to happen. And then Laban said, God saw all that Laban did. And it said, and God said that I saw all that Laban did unto you. And God told Jacob, Jacob, you were wondering about what's going on and why this was happening and why he was being mean to you and why he was changing your wages. I saw all of that. That's good for us to know. When things happen in our life we don't like, don't forget God sees it. God knows all about it. God knows everything and he'll take care of it. Just trust him. And wait on him. And he says in verse 12, God saw all that Laban did unto Jacob. And then verse 13, God revealed himself to God. Uh, God revealed himself as he was talking to Jacob. He said, Jacob, I am the God of Bethel. Now let's think about Bethel. What was Bethel? That was over 20 years ago. You remember when Jacob left home and he was heading, heading to his relatives area? and where he eventually got his wives and all of that. And uh, you remember Bethel? It was when Jacob had that ladder dream. The ladder came down from heaven. And it was at that place that, that God met him, and God promised that he would be with him, and he would take care of him, and he would bring him back to the land of Canaan. God promised that. And then Jacob responded by saying, God, if you will do that, if you'll take care of me, in fact, he said this. He said, if you'll give me food to eat and raiment to wear, that's all. If you'll give me food to eat and raiment to wear and bring me back, I will, I will serve you as my God. You will be my God. 
And Jacob vowed that. And in the dream, God says to Jacob, Jacob, I am that God. Now, verse 13, the last part of the verse 13 says that God said, Arise and get back to the land of Canaan. So he tells this to his wives. He tells this whole story to his wives. And uh, his wives respond in this way. They said, all right, Jacob, we understand the way dad's been acting, the way he's favoring the sons, and he's not taking care of us. He's not concerned about us. We know that there's no inheritance for us in this land. We also know that our fathers have treated us like strangers. He has treated us like we're a stranger. And he's also sold us. Now, I think that was a reference to uh, him selling, really, them to Jacob. And like he sold uh, Leah to Jacob for seven years' labor, and, Le- and Jacob thought it was Rachel. But then he sold Rachel for seven more years. And she, they said, he sold us. He really doesn't care about us. And so really, the riches that God has given you, they belong to us because he's been deceiving us. And then they, they concluded by saying this, Jacob, you do whatever God tells you to do. We're on board, and we'll go with you. Jacob, if you think God wants you to go, we'll go with you. So Jacob left for Canaan. He left with all that he had to go back to Isaac, his father. Laban had gone off to shear his sheep, and, and Jacob is ready to go now. And um, he's going away. And then the Bible says there's a, a little footnote God puts in. Well, not a footnote, part of the text. He says this, Rachel stole Laban's idols, his images. Now, these were probably household images, household gods that they used to determine maybe a blessing. Maybe they, some people thought that they maybe, maybe it meant that it caused fertility. I don't know. We don't really know. It's just guesswork. But he, these were gods that he served. Isn't it something that somebody will serve a god that somebody else can steal? <laughs> you know, if you can take somebody's god away from them and see and take him somewhere else. Not much of a god, is it? But uh, anyway, she stole those gods. It shows the heart of Rachel wasn't exactly all that it should be. And so she stole those gods. And uh, it says that after, after three days, after he'd been gone three days, Laban noticed. Somebody told him. You'd be shearing the sheep. And somebody told him, uh, Laban, uh, Jacob left. He fled. Oh, it made Laban mad. And so he gets his men together, and he starts off for them, and it takes him seven days to catch up. Now, you remember Jacob's going with uh, four wives, 11 sons, a daughter, and all this entourage, you know, of camels and, and, uh, and uh, donkeys and men servants and maid servants. So he's not going to travel as fast. And, but it took seven days for him to catch up with him, and he caught up with him. And uh, he camped that night in Mount Gilead, the area where Jacob was. Laban camped. And that night God appeared to Laban, and God just said to Laban, Laban, don't you dare lay a hand on Jacob. You can't say good or bad against him. In other words, hands off, Laban. That's my chosen man. Don't you touch him. Well, Laban was taken back by that. 
And so the next morning he confronts, he confronts Jacob and he says, What hast thou done? You've carried away my daughter's captives. You haven't given me the, the, the privilege to send them off. Well, he never would have done that. He said, I wanted to send them off with singing and feasting and all of that, and you didn't allow us to have a party. He would have never given them a party. And Jacob knew that, but that's what he's saying. He said, what have you done? It is in the power of my hand, he says in verse 29, to do you hurt. No, it wasn't Laban, because God says you can't do it. But Laban says, I could do it if I wanted to, but God told me not to. And so he says, then he says, but I have a question to ask you. Jacob, why would you steal my gods? Why would you take my idols? And Jacob said, first of all, why did I go away? Well, first of all, I was afraid. I went away because I was afraid that you would not let me take my wives with me, that you would take them away from me. I was afraid. And the second thing about the gods, uh, I didn't take any gods And if you find them among us, whoever has them, you can kill them. He had no idea that Rachel had taken those gods. And he says, but if you find them, you can can kill that person. And anything you find that belongs to you among me, uh, that's with me, you can take it. I didn't do that. And so Laban says, all right, let me search. So he first searched Jacob's tent. Gives us an idea of how they lived in the nomad nomad area. (laughs) Because everybody had a tent. Jacob had a tent. Rachel had a tent. Leah had a tent. uh, Bilhah had a tent. And Zilpah had a tent. I'd say the the, arrangement they had, that's probably a good idea. They had separate living quarters. (laughs) But each of them had a tent. And so Laban goes through Jacob's tent, and then through Leah's tent, and then through Bilhah's tent, and then through Zilpah's tent, and then finally comes to Rachel's tent. Well, Rachel's sitting in the tent, sitting on the camel's furniture. That was like the camel's uh, uh, saddle and all the things, the baggage that would have put on the camel. She's sitting on top of it. And she says to her dad, she said, Dad, I'm, I'm sorry, I normally would rise up. That was the custom in those days, to rise up when the elder came into the room. said, I normally would rise up, but the custom of women is upon me, and you know what that means. And so he accepted that, and he looked all around. He couldn't find them. And uh, so the story goes on that uh, Jacob got really upset. Now, I didn't read this to begin with, but I want to read it now. Look at verse 36 of chapter 31. Jacob is wroth. He's upset. He's angry. And Jacob was wroth, and he chode with Laban. And Laban answered and said to Laban, and Jacob answered and said to Laban, What is my trespass, and what is my sin that thou hast so hotly pursued after me? Whereas thou hast searched all my stuff, what hast thou found of all thy household st- stuff? Set it bef- here before my brethren and thy brethren, that they may judge betwixt us both. Twenty years have I been with thee. Thy ewes and thy, and thy she-goats have not cast their young, and the rams of thy flock have I not eaten. I haven't even taken of your possessions to provide food for myself as I was shepherding your flock. That which was torn of the beast I brought not unto thee. I bear the loss of it. Of my hand this thou require it, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. I took care. I covered all of that. You didn't suffer any loss. Thus I was in the day. I in the day the drought consumed me, and the night and the frost by night, and my sleep departed from mine eyes. 
Thus have I been twenty years in thy house. I served thee fourteen years for thy two daughters, and six years for thy cattle, and thou hast changed my wages ten times. Except the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac, that's speaking of the God of Isaac, had been with me, surely thou hast sent me away now, away now empty. God hath seen thine affliction and the labor of my affliction and the labor of mine hands, and rebuked thee yesternight. Last night, God rebuked you when he told you not to dare touch me. And so Laban, Jacob is really upset. And Laban answers him, and he says, Laban answered and said to Jacob, These daughters are my daughters, and these cattle are my ch- these children, are my children, and these cattle my, ch- my cattle, and all that thou seest is mine. What can I do this day unto thee, un- unto thee my daughters, or unto thy ch- their children which they have borne? So he's saying, all these are mine. Well, they weren't his. God gave them to Jacob. But you see his frame of mind. If Jacob had gone to him, then he would say, you can leave, but you leave your da- my, my daughters and their children and the cattle. All that's mine. Because here he says, it all belongs to me. And uh, so now therefore come. But he comes down off of his high horse and he says, now therefore come thou. Let us make a covenant. I I and thou, and let it be for witness between me and thee. So he says, let's make a covenant. Now we'll look at this very briefly, but he, he, they make a covenant. He makes the suggestion, and then Jacob does the work. <laughs> and Jacob gets the stone, and then Jacob gets his sons to come and bring stone, a pillar, and, and they bring stones, and they make this place, and they fix a meal, and they eat there, and, and they make this co- covenant. Now, this is sometimes called the Mizpah benediction. <laughs> uh, bad use of terms. But it was called Mizpah. Uh, the Bible says, And Laban said, This heap is a witness between me and thee this day. Therefore was the name of it called Gilead. Now, Laban had, had, had named it another name, verse 47, Jagar Sahadutha, and Jacob had called it Gilead. And then it says in verse 49, they also called it Mizpah. And here's the words. The Lord watch between me and thee when we are absent one from another. Sometimes people use this as the Mizpah benediction and they say, oh, yeah, everything's fine, we're all getting along. The Lord watch between me and thee while we're absent one from the other. That's not what this says. Laban has said, I can't trust you. And Jacob says, I can't trust you. And this is a pillar. And don't you dare pass over this pillar to, to do me hurt. And you, you agree to that right now. This is the Mizpah agreement. And this heap of stones is an agreement. You don't touch me and I don't touch you. We can't trust each other. So don't use this in the wrong way <laughs> as your benediction of peace. It's not that. But the account goes on that uh, after they make this arrangement or make this covenant, then Laban leaves and goes back home. We never hear any more about Laban. Quite an interesting story. But I wanted, in conclusion, to draw some lessons from it as we look at the account uh, overall. First thing we need to notice is God is gracious. God is gracious. You see, as I began the message, I said this was an intriguing story of God's grace in Jacob's life. Jacob did not deserve for God to be this good to him. He had everything. He had wives. 
He had son, 11 sons and at least one daughter. He had men servants and maid servants and camels and asses and flocks, just tremendous flocks. God has been good to Jacob. He did not deserve it. When he left Canaan, he didn't have anything. He had the staff in his hand and on the way, on the way to a place he hadn't been before. He didn't have anything. And here he comes back rich. God was so good to him. God had given him protection from his enemy. As he said himself, God did not allow Laban to hurt him. And God kept Laban from sending him away empty, which Laban would have done if he'd had his choice. But here Jacob is with all this good. The God of the universe, the God of Bethel, had been faithful to him and good to him. God was so gracious to Jacob. God is gracious. But you know, the same is true of us. God is gracious to us. He's very gracious. If you're here and trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you can say, I've been rescued. I've been saved. I don't have to go to hell. I'm going to go to heaven someday. You have been forgiven of all your sins, past, present, and future. Forgiven. It's all under the blood. You have been forgiven all your sins. You have been adopted into the family of God. You have been justified. God as the judge stands and declares you to be righteous. You have his righteousness. And God says, I will be with you always. And God says, someday I'm going to come and take you home to be with me. In the rapture, it might happen. Or if you die before the rapture, absent from the body, present with the Lord. You'll be with Jesus. Wow, that's what you call grace. We don't deserve it. So God's gracious. Another thing we learn from this passage is God is faithful. You see, he promised to Jacob 20-some years before. Jacob, I will be with you, I will take care of you, and I will bring you back to Canaan. God promised that. And guess what? God kept his promises. He was with Jacob through all of his trials. There was much more to come in Jacob's life. I mean, this is just the beginning. You know, we have all this time in Jacob's life when he gets back to Canaan, and then later he leaves Canaan and goes down into Egypt, and his family's there for 400 years. 400 years, there's so much more to come in the life of Jacob and his descendants. But again, God is going to be with them all the time. And by the way, God still is. God still is. God still has a plan for Israel, and he's going to fulfill that plan. Uh, It doesn't matter who fights against it, even the Nazis. They can't change God's plan. And God will fulfill that because God is faithful. And so God is faithful. He will keep his promises, but God is also faithful to us. Uh, To this time in our life, we can look back and say God's been faithful, but you know, we don't know what's coming. But we do know this, whatever comes, God's still faithful. Even if things come, there's loss in the family, there's financial loss, there's there's health loss, there's all kinds of problems that come in your life. It doesn't matter what it is, you can count on this, God is still faithful. He keeps his word. He will do what he promised to do. And someday we'll be in heaven and the sufferings of this present time will not be worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. God is faithful. He says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee so that you may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do unto me. God is faithful. But then there's another thing about we learn from this account. And that is God is sovereign. He is sovereign. 
He works in the affairs of men and works altogether for good to those that love him. He works in the affairs of men. He works all things according to his will. Even if people don't love him, God is still going to do what he planned to do. God is sovereign. God is bigger than sin. The rebellion of man never thwarts God's plan. Jacob was God's chosen one. He was the one chosen by God to, to, be, the, to be Israel and to be the beginning of the children of Israel. His chosen nation through whom the Messiah would come, the Savior. And regardless of how Satan tries, he cannot destroy God's plan because God is sovereign. You look at this, God has a great plan for Jacob, but there's a lot that's going to go on before that ultimate plan of the Savior is going to come. And in Jacob's life that we've already seen, Jacob was one himself who deceived. And yet he was God's chosen one. God didn't let Jacob's sin overcome God's plan for Jacob. And so he was, he was a deceiver. Laban's deception came into the story, but that didn't change it. Four women vying for attention and affection from Jacob. Four women in a divided household. That didn't change it. Laban's uh, change of wages didn't change it. Uh, Jacob suffered for all those things, but that didn't change it. God is still sovereign, and God will accomplish his will. Rachel's idolatry, Rachel's the one that stole those, those idols. That will not change it. God is sovereign. His will will be done. I like this. Griffith Thomas said this, and I wrote it down. We can learn much from a story like this. As we observe each actor, a perfectly free agent and yet everything taken up in the divine purpose and made to serve uh, the right end. Far-reaching ends. God has a purpose. So something bad happens, God's not, it's not going to thwart God's plan. Something bad happens in the United States, it's not going to thwart God's plan. You can know that God is sovereign and he will accomplish his will. Now, since God is sovereign... That means his will is going to be done. So you have to ask yourself the question, whose side are you on? I mean, if you're following the devil, you're on the losing side. And uh, you might have fun. You might uh, have all these parties. You might have all these things that, and even wealth and all that. But you're on the losing side if you're following the devil. But if you're not following Jesus, even though you suffer, even though you like Job and lose everything, uh, God is sovereign and he's going to win, and you better be on the winning side, and that's on the Lord's side. And then there's one final lesson I'd like for us to learn. God is gracious, God is faithful, God is sovereign, but let's also remember this. God remembers your vows. God remembers your vows and mine. 20 years, some, maybe over 20 years before, Jacob said to God, God, if you'll take care of me, and provide for me, you'll be my God. And also he said this, and I will give you one-tenth of everything I have. Listen, God was listening. God heard it. And God said to Jacob, I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed the pillar. I am the God of, ja I am the God of Bethel, where you promised to me that you would serve me and that you would give a tenth to me. I remember... Let me remind all of us today, God remembers. 
God remembers when we told him, I'm going to read my Bible every day. And then we didn't. God remembers when we said, I'm going to pray more, more consistently. And we didn't. God remembers when we vowed, Lord, I know that it's right, and I will give you a tenth of all that you bring to me. Not just the, the, the net, but the gross, Lord. I'll give you a tenth of everything. And you promised that to the Lord. You did for a while, and then you quit. God remembers your oath. God remembers your vow. When you said, Lord, I'll I'll start coming to Sunday school, God remembers. When you said, Lord, I know I need to be there on Wednesday night. I know I I will come, Lord. Or when you said, Lord, I will get involved and I will help. I'll do something. I'll tell tell the pastor, I want to do something. What can I do? And I'm going to talk to him about that. But then you never did. God, God heard it. God remembers your vow. God remembers our vow when we say, Lord, if you'll get me through this, I'll serve you. And then God got us through it, and we didn't serve him. How many people have made that uh, foxhole conversion? (laughs) You know, Lord, if you'll get me out of this tough spot, I'll serve you. God got you out of the tough spot, and you didn't serve him. Don't forget, God hears, God remembers, and God knows what we vowed. Yes, we serve a God who's gracious, a God who's faithful, a God who's sovereign, and a God who remembers everything that we vow. Let's be faithful to him. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for teaching us from this account. Account, Lord, that has a lot of things that maybe are not desirable. And, uh, but, Lord, thank you that you are sovereign, you're gracious, you're faithful, I thank you, Lord, that you hear and answer prayer and you remember what we, what we vow. Help us to be faithful to you. We pray in Jesus' name.